0: Real estate windfall. In the Fraser Valley, we've seen price increases as much as 250000 in the last 60 days, believe it or not.
1: Where prices are skyrocketing and when they could start to fall. Next stop, vandalism. All of a sudden he heard the bang and he looked, his window was shattered. Someone taking pot shots at downtown buses, making drivers and passengers nervous. Yeah. And a record year for transplants. I'm doing great. I'm pretty grateful for, for that gift. Surgery saves hundreds of lives, even during the pandemic.
2: You're watching Global
1: BC. This is Global Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Even though experts say it's not sustainable, the explosive real estate market in BC shows no signs of slowing down. Ted Chernecki has the latest on some of the most jaw-dropping price increases we're seeing and why so many people are holding off on cashing in on their
2: homes. Just when you thought the lower mainland's housing market couldn't get any crazier... There comes the first month of 22, where... It's
0: not uncommon to see
2: uh, $200,000, $300,000, $400,000 asking, over, over asking
0: on a townhome and now single family houses. And now we're starting to see that in condos, uh, $200,000 over asking.
2: This is in Surrey and the Fraser Valley, an area in the lower mainland that's rapidly become unaffordable for all but the wealthy or those up to their neck in equity. It's been really unbelievable to watch. I mean, I think this is almost 2016 on steroids. What worries some realtors is that there now seems to be a sort of mental dynamic at play. Get in now or not at all. And when a market gets this hot, the investors move in. And they're not necessarily the kind of investors you'd expect. I'm seeing a lot of you know clients, young families that have a house, they've got two kids, and they're
0: saying, well, if I want my kids to ever have a chance at, at home ownership. I'm going to go out and buy a rental property now and hold it for the next 10 years. And you know, when little Johnny's growing up, I'll, I'll hand it over to him. And hopefully that gives him you know, at least somewhat of a
2: leg up into the market. Well, the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver reports that the median price of a single detached home in Metro Vancouver is now $1.953 million. Prices rose about 2.2% from December to January. But I'm close to a $2 million property. That's still about $43,000 in a single month. At this rate, prices could easily increase hundreds of thousands of dollars by year's end.
0: It is your panic. I would say it doesn't have to be like this. Uh, there are a lot of buyers that are paying over asking. And it, what we don't know is that the second place and third place offers are not necessarily even close to the first place. So there's always a story behind that person that wins in multiple
2: offers. Maybe they've been lost out on six places in a row. Realtors caution anyone brave enough to sell to do so only after they've secured their next residence. Ted Cherneke, Global News.
1: The Canadian Real Estate Association is reporting nationally home prices were up 26% year over year in December. And take a look at some of the jumps city by city over the past 12 months. Toronto up 31%, Victoria 24%, and Vancouver up 17% transit police and the vpd are investigating after someone has been taking aim at transit buses while they travel their routes through the downtown east side as Imadagahi shows us no one has been hurt yet but more than two dozen bus windows have been damaged over the past few weeks
0: where do you start in an investigation with so many unknowns
3: at this point, we don't have a lot. We don't know who it is. We don't know what it is. We don't have any physical evidence available to us that would be able to answer that
0: question. We simply just don't know at this point. The question asked what is causing this? It's happened to at least 26 buses traveling through a busy section of the downtown east side within the last
4: few weeks.
3: Investigators believe someone may be launching
0: projectiles at the buses. As they travel along East Hastings Street. Again, 26 times in two weeks this has happened. In an area that spans only a few city blocks with plenty of people around 24-7.
5: Whatever's being used, a rocker, as you said, a, a pellet gun or even a slingshot perhaps, is not actually coming into the bus. Which has
0: prevented injury so far.
6: That is a huge safety concern for our members We drive a big piece of metal and for our passengers.
0: Now, despite the concern from the bus drivers, their union, despite the police investigation, it's hard to gauge the seriousness of the issue because the bus company hasn't provided any of the buses for visuals of the damage. In fact, these photos from Vancouver onlookers on Twitter appear to be the only available evidence for people to see. For obvious reasons, bus drivers did not want to say this on camera but mentioned that there was a sense of relief the issue is finally being handled. Their union brought up this example.
6: According to this member, he's driving along towards downtown, westbound on Hastings, and uh, his, his, uh, all, all of a sudden he heard the bang, and he looked, his window was shattered.
0: This despite the assertion by police that bus drivers' ability to focus on the road has not yet been affected by this.
7: At this point, I, I don't believe that uh, they, they are in any any danger of being distracted.
0: Ahmad
1: Global News. Another example of a troubling trend in thefts escalating across Vancouver. A business that supplies wigs to cancer patients was robbed in a smash-and-grab. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, this isn't the first or even the second time thieves have hit.
3: At Joe Hare's studio on Canby Street, Melissa McGregor continues to style and sell wigs. But inventory is lower than usual after they were targeted in a smash and grab. And it's taking away product from people who really need it. It's upsetting. On January 21st, they arrived to find their store windows broken and about $40,000 worth of wigs gone. Even a security gate didn't stop the thief who reached in through the bars to grab the merchandise kept inside drawers. Each human hair wig sells for up to $4,000 and helps people living with various challenges. Clients with cancer or alopecia or trichotillomania. Um, clients who have COVID hair loss. The smash and grab is being investigated by Vancouver police. After the business had closed, it was reported a uh, $40,000 worth of stolen wigs um, were taken from the store. No arrests have been made at this point. Joe Hair Studio has been targeted before, hit twice in 2020. Thousands of dollars worth of wigs were taken. Now, this third break-in. Staff are careful not to discuss security measures but had this to say to the thief. I think it's really bad karma, and you're taking away from people who really need it. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: RCMP on Vancouver Island have released some new photos of a missing man in the hopes he and his daughter can be found. Police say Jesse Bennett was reported missing with his daughter, Violet, on January 23rd. Officers don't believe Violet is in any danger, but she is supposed to be with her mother police are hoping you'll recognize a gray honda civic with distinctive decals on it on one door the decal reads holy and on the other it reads fire there are also scripture related decals on the rear so if you see the car you're asked to contact rcmp some breaking news for you now that will be great news for young athletes and their parents school sports tournaments are set to return in B.C. School sports have been on hold because of the rise of the Omicron variant. The province allowed youth club sports to resume as of Tuesday, but left it up to the Ministry of Education to decide the fate of school sports. Well, B.C. School Sports tweeted today that the Ministry of Education has worked out a plan to get students playing once again. And when we get more details, we will pass them on to you. Turning to COVID 19 right now, and a look at our latest numbers. There are 985 people in hospital. That's down, but there has been an uptick in the ICU. Nine more people in critical care there for a total of 145. We have seen 13 more deaths in the last 24 hours, including three people in their 50s. We've got 25,554 active cases. And that includes just over 1,500 new infections. Keith Baldry joins us now with some details on the ICU number. And, Keith, it's Mm -hmm. who's in critical care that might be surprising to some viewers.
6: Very interesting to look at the makeup of the patients in ICU right now. The 9, increase of 9 is the second biggest jump in a number of weeks. Our daily case numbers are going down. Hospitalizations seem to be flatlining, but the ICU is up significantly. Here's a a breakdown of some of the numbers, some of the patients in uh, uh, ICU right now. Again, a sharp increase of 9 in one day. Seven of these patients are under the age of 30, if you can believe that. Four of those are unvaccinated. 62 patients in all are unvaccinated. And 98 patients, again, uh, reflects the if you're the older you are, the more risk you have of getting severe illness. 68% are over the age of 60. That's been a pretty consistent number. But we've suddenly seen a significant uptick of people under the age of 30, particularly those unvaccinated, being put into ICU. Uh, about 65 of these people are on ventilators or mechanical breathing devices. And geographically, one area of concern is the interior, where in the space of about eight days, 200 more hospitalizations have occurred. And the number in ICU in the interior has doubled in eight days. That's a source of concern, and obviously some numbers we're going to be keeping an eye on in the days ahead. No doubt.
1: Okay, thanks very much, Keith. Now, a growing number of Canadians are frustrated with continuing COVID-19 safety measures. With hospitalizations expected to decline going forward, health experts are trying to determine when is the right time to return to normal. Here's Global's Jamie Marocker.
3: After two years of masking, social distancing, and vaccinating to tamp down the spread of COVID-19, learning to live with this coronavirus has become a less novel idea, And more and more Canadians are growing impatient.
8: To completely,
3: constantly
9: want to keep things locked down until the numbers look good is at this point just not a viable strategy.
3: Most experts agree. A new study out of Johns Hopkins University claims worldwide pandemic lockdowns were not effective at reducing mortality rates. And a growing list of countries are opening up. The latest, Denmark and Sweden. But epidemiologist Timothy Sly says here, the timing isn't quite right.
10: There's living with it, while still taking some precautions and slowly let them tapering down and there's living with it in a rather irresponsible way, which simply means throwing away the mask and getting back to normal again.
3: Fly says our ICU and hospitalization numbers will be key indicators to watch. Right now, those are still rising in Western Canada, including in Saskatchewan. On Wednesday night, Premier Scott Moe announced an end to
11: restrictions. This perpetual state of crisis is having a harmful impact on everyone.
3: Citing constituents' concerns, not data.
11: But if we see another
10: surge, then we've taken the wrong decision or somebody wasn't listening to the, to the evidence as it was coming in.
3: Spring and summer, experts say, will likely be the best chance to make a permanent change.
9: Moving forward, we'll be treating COVID the way we treat, uh, say, the seasonal flu or, or other respiratory viruses.
3: Public health experts say it could look something like this. Annual vaccination and masking on transit or for travel. And then, of course, there's always the common sense solutions. That means hand washing, covering your mouth when you're coughing, and staying home when sick. Jamie Marocker, Global News, Toronto.
1: Air travelers fighting for refunds have an ally. With so many people trying to get their money back for canceled flights, Consumer Matters has some good advice to get started. On your request for a refund, that's coming up next on the Hour.
4: Giuseppe de Roma-Taylor.
1: This, this is back. B.C., a visit with a West, Coast Vanco- or sorry, a West Vancouver legend, making his customers look good for 50 years. And improving reality, the local artist giving Chinatown a makeover in every one of her paintings. That's coming up later, too. Right now, though, if you're struggling to get a refund from an airline that canceled your flight... B.C. has consumer protection laws that might help you get your money back. With more on who qualifies and the steps you need to take, Let's bring
7: in Consumer Matters reporter Andrea. Drua. Anne? Thanks, Chris. Aside from small claims court, there may be another option for consumers in B.C. who are still waiting for their refunds. They can go to the provincial regulator, Consumer Protection B.C., but first, there are some qualifications that must be met. Cancellation rights apply if you booked online, over the phone, by email or by fax. These types of contracts are called distant sales contracts and apply to B.C.-based businesses and any business dealing with a bc consumer including travel suppliers you are eligible to apply for a refund if you are a bc resident and your travel service was not available to you for example the airline cancelled your flight or vacation package you are not eligible if the travel service was available but regardless of the reason including covid19 you decided not to travel remember bc's consumer protection laws don't come into play if a consumer voluntarily cancelled
3: We don't oversee
12: airlines in terms of we don't regulate airlines, so this is a piece of legislation that is an option for people, and it's really more about online sales and not getting what you bought um, in a certain amount of time. So, again, it's not a perfect um, fit, but it does apply to a lot of different types of transactions, including buying your travel online or over the phone.
7: Meantime, Air Passenger Rights, which advocates on behalf of passengers, says it's important eligible travelers go through the steps laid out by Consumer Protection B.C. and see the process through.
0: This is important to ensure that these corporations understand that they cannot do everything to consumers, that there are limits and the limit is the rule of law. If nobody ever stands up to these corporations, nothing is going to change.
7: Now, if you feel you meet the requirements for a refund, you can go to the Consumer Protection BC website at consumerprotectionbc.ca. On that site, you will find more information about eligibility, which forms to use, and the steps needed to request a refund properly. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters@globalnews.ca right and thanks very much good advice
1: still ahead the tragic death of ashley wadsworth the young bc woman went abroad to find love but what she found might have ended up costing her life instead and reporting hate crimes the new portal that makes it much easier
3: further east there are multiple problems over at the portman bridge so don't go that way Sussex Insurance are your community auto plan experts. For questions about recent ICBC changes or to find a location near you, visit sussexinsurance.com today. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Centre.
1: The B.C. Liberals are slated to pick their new leader this weekend after a campaign that's focused mainly on renewal and earning back the public's trust. The race hasn't been without controversy, though. Richard Zussman has more on the leadership campaign.
13: With a click on a screen, voting now underway to select the next B.C. Liberal leader. And with it, controversy.
8: I will seek out another venue to drive change in. I still am very deeply invested in a renewed B.C. Liberal party.
13: Val Litwin, a long-shot contender in the race, taking a shot at the front runner, saying he will leave the B.C. Liberals if Kevin Falcon wins.
7: I have to give a shout-out to the best tweet that I saw on this from a woman named Mary Jane Stenberg on Twitter. She said... Leaders don't threaten to knock over the Monopoly board and run home if the popular kid wins.
13: The only person not talking about Kevin Falcon is Kevin Falcon, the frontrunner turning down media
0: requests Thursday. One of the, the hardest thing is being the frontrunner, right? Everybody uh, has you in their targets. And so I think for a lot of the, you know,
13: also-ran candidates, they're, that's the person they're going to go after. It's been a crowded field. Gavin Do. Falcon, Michael Lee, Litwin, Renee Merrifield, Ellis Rost, and San Sepos all positioning themselves. There's also been another hurdle, a last-minute legal challenge by a Liberal member to delay Saturday's results. All over accusations Falcon is cheating.
8: Out of the seven campaigns in this race, six have raised very publicly their concerns
1: around the volume of non-compliant members in this race. And to my knowledge, there's still one campaign that hasn't come out and said
8: anything.
13: On top of this, another candidate, Renee Merrifield, went to Twitter Wednesday night. A long thread also pointing fingers at Falcon and his team.
7: I see this as more of a a last-minute ploy to perhaps rally all of the anti-Kevin voters uh, to them.
13: The B.C. Liberals have audited the memberships. They don't believe there's anything wrong, and they are forging ahead with an announcement plan for Saturday night of the winter. What is unclear is whether the infighting will have an impact on Kevin Falcon's dream to soar into this office as the new leader of the B.C. Liberals. Richard Lusman, Global News, Victoria.
1: The behavior of BC's former legislative speaker is at the center of some of the testimony in the trial of former clerk Craig James. Former acting sergeant at arms, Randall Ennis, testified he was screamed at like a dog by Speaker Daryl Plekis and his special advisor, Alan Mullen, during a 2018 investigation into misspending allegations against James. At issue was control of one of the two sets of keys to the clerk's office. Ennis also testified that after getting the keys, Plekis and Mullen went through James's office, triggering an alarm. James has denied charges of fraud and breach of trust related to his expenses and retirement allowance, and the purchase of a wood splitter and trailer with public funds. Still ahead, a local artist bringing history back to life.
7: Chinatown means a lot to me. Like, I grew up going there.
1: The watercolor magic of Donna Cito helping us remember what Chinatown once was so it can be that way again. But first, a terrific year for organ transplants, why more people than ever are being saved by the gift of life.
8: Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in store or online.
3: Two lanes north and one south over here at the Lions Gate Bridge. Traffic is steady both ways with a minor lineup on the Cloverleaf from north and west Vancouver. And westbound Georgia Street is steady through the Stanley Park Causeway towards mid-span. Get best-in-class protection and savings with BCAA Insurance. Learn more at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: There is disbelief in Vernon today as word spreads a 19-year-old woman from the community has been murdered overseas. Global's Megan Turcato has more on who's been arrested in the death of Ashley Wadsworth and how the young woman is being remembered.
5: Ashley was adventurous. She was loving. She was kind. She always wanted to travel and she did travel.
12: An outpouring of grief in Vernon over the death of a North Okanagan teen who had recently gone to the United Kingdom. Ashley Wadsworth's boyfriend, 23-year-old Jack Seppel, has been charged with murder in connection with her death. We're dealing with it the way we usually deal with it, and that's just being together and surrounding each other with love and um, family, and that's how we cope as a family. Melissa Locke says her cousin wanted to see the world. I don't want this to scare people from traveling and being themselves and being adventurous, because that. That's who she was, and I just, I don't want it to scare people. Essex police say they were called to an address in Chelmsford, about 60 kilometers outside of London, for a disturbance on Tuesday afternoon. 19-year-old Wadsworth was declared dead at the scene. The news devastating to those who knew Ashley back in Canada. I remember that she's just a lovely person and polite to everyone. I um, would you describe her? She is very genuine, caring. Honest and a funny friend. Kyla says her friend was one of the nicest and most down to earth people. I just want everyone to know that Ashley was such a nice person. She deserved everything and shouldn't uh, deserve what had happened to her. Wadsworth posted on social media that she had gone to the UK in November. Her death has also shaken the wider Vernon community.
13: Vernon is the kind of community that any loss, is a loss to the entire community. So, I mean, that's where my heart first goes. She was young. Her life was just starting and to end in such a tragic way. And overseas is really, like, just tragic.
12: The Archway Society for Domestic Peace, which works to combat domestic violence in the North Okanagan, says if Vernon residents are experiencing abuse while out of the country, they can still call. Honestly, if somebody
13: is in another country and they're thinking, okay, there's something going on here that I'm not comfortable with yet, definitely call us and we'll connect them with somebody there some way, somehow. Because um, any call to reach out for help is a good
12: call. SEPL is scheduled to be back in court in the UK on Friday and people here in Vernon will likely be following closely how that case unfolds. Megan Turcato, Global News, Vernon.
1: A man accused of leaving a serious crash in Burnaby in 2020 has been arrested in Quebec and will now finally face charges. A Dodge Durango rolled over at the corner of Gilmore and Halifax in June of 2020, leaving a woman in the passenger seat seriously injured. The driver left her there and fled the scene, eventually ending up in the Montreal area. Now, a year and a half later, he's been arrested and brought back to B.C. to face justice. Musa Dawi is facing charges of impaired driving, criminal negligence causing bodily harm, and failed to stop after an accident. A warning now about some of the content in our next report. The spike in hate crimes in B.C. during the pandemic has prompted the B.C. Human Rights Commissioner to launch a new online portal to allow people to report incidents of hate. As Paul Johnson reports, it was created after a poll done by the commissioner came up with some disturbing results.
14: You brought the coronavirus in this country, and you're killing our people. For anyone paying attention, it's become clear that one effect of the pandemic has been to unleash some of humanity's ugliest tendencies. Good Chinese. We saw firsthand in British Columbia how Canadians of Asian descent found themselves at the receiving end of a barrage of hate and abuse. Chinese. Now, a new survey has revealed more about the magnitude and pattern of intolerance in B.C.
5: Even I was shocked by these numbers.
14: Kasari Govinder is B.C.'s human rights commissioner. In August, her office commissioned a study of hate incidents in the province. But this one was intended to hear about things that may not have been reported to police and are not solely connected to race, but include gender and homelessness among a wider list of criteria.
5: They really show the significant
3: um, and really devastating impact that hate is having in our communities.
14: The Human Rights Commission found one in four British Columbians have either experienced or witnessed some form of hate incident since the start of the pandemic. And it's launched a new survey on its website to find out if there are more that haven't been reported. Kung flu? yeah. With the bully pulpit of the U.S. presidency being but one high-profile source that linked Asians to the pandemic, the result was hardly surprising. Just ask success CEO Queenie Chu.
12: People are looking for a scapegoat in their situation. So they're looking uh, looking at the vulnerable population, the racialized community.
14: One possible glimmer of hope is that the survey found a strong majority 80 percent of british Columbians said they're concerned about the rise in hate incidents governor had these thoughts about how we've ended up where we are
3: many of us feel this sort of fundamental sense of insecurity and that has uh, some people i think falling back on racist discriminatory hateful stereotypes as a way of kind of holding on to power or a sense of security in the world
14: paul johnson global news a record number of British
1: Columbians gave the gift of life last year. BC Transplant reports an increase in organ donations and transplants. As Aaron MacArthur reports, it's all part of a campaign drive that appears to be working.
7: Believe it or not, I can actually feel him, and he's, he's giving me a thumbs up for this.
11: It's been a difficult few months for Sylvie Stevenson. Last summer, her husband Russell was killed in a motorcycle accident near Vernon. The one thing that has helped her through this grieving process is that he was an organ. His death saved five lives.
7: It's the hardest thing in the world that I have ever done. But I'm also grateful that my husband was able to share himself with others to give them a chance.
11: 2021 was a record-setting year for transplantation in B.C. 529 transplants were performed. Rob Hammerschmidt was one of the 340 kidney patients who got the call last year. It was a moment he will never forget. The simple
0: words of Rob, we found you a kidney. And yeah, like I'm sure my I went as white as a
11: ghost guaranteed. In addition to 75 living donors, 150 deceased donors were identified across B.C. last year. Throughout the pandemic, B.C. has prioritized transplants. In a year where other provinces struggled to find OR space and staff necessary to perform the operations, hospitals here referred 775 potential donors to the transplant program.
15: It's really so amazing to me that in these times when things are so stretched in health care, that first of all the families are willing to consider donation and that they, those working in the ICU are taking the time to have these discussions.
11: One of the keys to that engagement with potential donors is the care and attention given families by their healthcare teams. The
7: team at the Kelowna General Hospital, A1. The most compassionate crew I have ever, ever had to deal with.
11: While more than 1.5 million British Columbians have visited Take Two Minutes to register their decision on donation, there are still 585 people on the waiting list. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: Still ahead, a perfect fit.
4: So far, like everything worked out right.
1: The West Van Taylor turning out well-dressed customers since 1971. But first an artist capturing the essence of Chinatown in beautiful watercolor. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, despite a lot of recent improvements, Vancouver's Chinatown still shows the results of decades of dec- uh, decay and neglect. But One Vancouver artist remembers what it was like in its glory days. She's on a mission to show the rest of us what the facades of the neighborhood's characteristic buildings were like in their prime. As Kamal Kuramali reports, the painter says her work can serve as a reminder of what the city has and what it stands to lose.
7: Yeah, so this is probably one of my favorite.
15: It's a little piece of history painted. And this one's gone through a number of changes. Watercolors of a world now washed away. This one actually makes me really sad because I don't think it's been maintain very well. Donna Sito began painting Chinatown buildings in July last year. Not what they look like now. I've often used photos I found online from Vancouver archives. But what they used to look like back in their prime.
7: Just to kind of give it a bit more of a nostalgic bent and to kind of bring back some of the life
15: and the history that's behind these buildings. Her paintings bringing to life the history. You can see like uh, the architecture is quite different and the devastating changes in the community.
7: The colors, you know, obviously faded and the paint's chipping.
15: Put them side by side, and you may wish the painting was reality.
7: That's kind of heartbreaking, um, because I I think about all the memories that are lost, um,
15: and all the experiences that are lost. The heritage neighbourhood has been in decay for years, plagued by shuttered businesses and losing much of its vitality. Now a hope that these buildings could someday be revitalized.
5: I think that there's a huge opportunity
3: to do that. We do a number of infrastructure grants to support the renewal of some of the traditional architecture.
15: And perhaps that's why Sito's paintings have brought colour to many in Vancouver's Chinese community.
7: People have commented how much it brings back uh yeah, their memories of this place.
15: The artist's Instagram page getting a lot of attention these days, providing a stroke of nostalgia, hoping to brush away the sadness.
7: My initial thought was I would eventually turn this into some sort of book, um, maybe a coffee book of sorts of illustrations, but also kind of a personal history of my, on my uh, reflection on growing up in Vancouver.
15: And remember better times. Kamala Karmali, Global News. A lot of people probably lining up to buy that book when it
1: comes out. All right, Christy joins us now with a look at the weather forecast and uh, a lot of people waiting for the sunshine to come back.
5: Oh yes, and it will. So you've got lots to look forward to. Meanwhile, we've got winter storm warnings across northern regions, which we'll talk about in a second. But quickly, I wanted to show you this photo. A very rare ice spike was spotted in Abbotsford this week. Now, just to give you a perspective, you may have seen this in your ice cube tray at times, and it's created when uh, you get either an ice cube, uh, sorry, water within a confined space, like a bowl or a bird bath or an ice cube tray. Uh, Basically, the surface of the water freezes first and sometimes there's a hole in that uh, ice and so as the water underneath begins to freeze it expands as it freezes and it gets pushed out this hole and every once in a while you can get a massive ice spike i've seen them in my uh in my freezer before but this one is huge so thank you to patricia for sharing that with us meanwhile as i talked about so we're concerned about freezing rain in areas like terrace temperatures are going to warm up so during that transition you'll see it meanwhile heavy snow all across these regions right up into Whitehorse. So this is through uh, the overnight periods tonight and into tomorrow also. Here's a look at that system driving in. Coastal regions will see rain. It really is that snowfall for just inland regions, but it touches down into southern BC also. So heavy snow expected uh, not only tonight, but into tomorrow also. It will finally ease off for you on Saturday, but nonetheless, you're going to be digging out, that's for sure. And you can see the snowfall totals here. So Whistler getting impacted and the North Columbia region in particular. But a big warm-up for many areas over the next little while. Big warm-up in through the southern interior as well. Over the next several days, you're going to see well above seasonal values, and that's the case for our region as well. Periods of rain tomorrow with a high of 8 degrees, but thankfully, we hold the sunshine, or we start to see the sunshine over the weekend, Chris. Both Saturday and Sunday look terrific, and I'll leave Mm -hmm. you tonight with uh, the weather window, which is a fish built out in Houston. Sarah sending us this, an incredible fish that was sculpted by one of their uh, employees and uh, or one of their volunteers. Pardon me. And you can see how massive it is. She says it's about uh, six feet long. So incredible.
1: That is a sturgeon. If I know anything about fish, I'm pretty sure it's a sturgeon. Yes. And uh, yeah, they'd be a lot bigger than that. Or they do do find them a lot bigger than that in the Fraser. Okay. Thank you, Christy.
16: Here's Squire with Look Ahead to Sports. Thank you very much. Uh, Oh, during this World Cup qualifying run, Canada has overcome all the teams and all the places that used to break their hearts.
3: That we fear now. Um, We know that we can go up and play against anybody in this, this region now.
16: Last night's win got them as close to a World Cup spot since the only time they made it in 1986.
3: No
1: fear. I love that. Also tonight, organized chaos at the Roman Taylor. Why Giuseppe's customers, even the famous ones, keep coming back. Surprised to see Leonard Uzi in the uh, story we're going to show about Giuseppe the Taylor later on. So we'll start with uh, soccer right
16: now. Actually, Leonard Uzi shows up in several stories. Yeah, he does. Well, two before this show is the over. The guy's everywhere. He is everywhere. He's ubiquitous. Uh, it's uh, Vancouver Whitecaps striker Brian White's 26th birthday today. And the Whitecaps gave him a present, a brand new contract, four-year extension with Vancouver, which, if he hits the bonuses, could be 600000 a year after leading the team in goals last year, despite not joining the Whitecaps until the mid-season in a trade with the New York Red Bulls. He ended up scoring 12 goals in 27 games, and quite frankly, I don't think the Whitecaps expected that kind of return from this trade. He was supposed to be a compliment to highly paid striker Lucas Cavallini, but actually he was better than Cavallini and developed a very good chemistry with Ryan Gold. Now, let's just hope last year wasn't a one-off, and he can still score at a good clip this season as well. So last night, Canada moved about as close to qualifying for this year's World Cup without actually qualifying for it. We beat El Salvador 2-0. Canada's still unbeaten in the qualifying tournament. They've won six in a row. There's three games to go. Canada will make it. It is pretty much a done deal. But it's understandable if some are reticent about celebrating too soon. Because in the past, the road to the World Cup for Canada's men's team, has usually led to a cliff. And only once before did we not go off that cliff.
9: The one and only time Canada ever made it to the World Cup in 1986, the shorts were really short and the odds were really long that Canada would win a game or even score a goal. They did neither. Bob Lenarduzzi had the
8: best chance against the Soviet Union, but couldn't convert. The bookies were given great odds like we weren't going to score a goal so you could have made a lot of money i actually had it on my left foot i was in the six yard box and i hit it and i i stubbed my toe probably too and i was thankful for the keeper because he actually dived for it but he didn't have to he could have just walked over and picked it up but um i left that for someone else to do and someone is going to do it in december in Qatar. i'm convinced
9: That seems like a sure bet now. Canada has never had this kind of talent, and they are filling the net with world-class goals, it seems, every time they play. Jonathan David! I've never seen belief like this, and that leads me to believe that not only are they going to qualify, but I can see them doing some damage in Qatar at the World Cup. Paul Dolan was part of that 86 World Cup team and part of the squad that came very close to qualifying in 94 and 98. But after that, Canada didn't even make it to the final round of qualifying for the next five World Cups. It was a lean 20-plus years for the men's national team, so bad that some top players didn't even want to play for their country. The program was in such shambles, but it has
8: turned around. What we're going through right now is is something that is as a result of some of the better players being at big clubs in Europe, MLS, CPL. There's an infrastructure there now that we've never had. Canada's captain, Atiba Hutchinson, has been through all the rough
9: times. His first match for Canada was back in 2003. Now at age 39, he's going to the World Cup. How times have changed.
3: You go into games with with different feelings now. Um, The confidence is there. We've got a whole... Nation that's you know finally behind us supporting us, Um, and we feel that, um, and and that really pushes us on.
9: How good is Canada right now? They just won three qualifying games, two on the road in hostile territory. Without Alfonso Davies, one of the best players in the world, he's been leading the cheers as he recovers from COVID. Hopefully, this is just the start of Canada becoming a real player in men's world soccer. If this doesn't get the young kids' attention, nothing will. Um, It's not such a pie in the sky for these uh, young players now that might choose uh, to play soccer over hockey or any other sport. I think it's a realistic goal now and it's a dream that uh, is attainable. We're on track to really set ourselves up as new Canada and as the, the players said, put the world on
14: notice.
16: All right, uh, Canada's women's hockey team began the Olympic tournament, even though the opening ceremonies haven't happened yet. 12 1 win over Switzerland. They'll play uh, February 4th, which is what? That's that tomorrow? Tomorrow night against uh, Finland. I never know the dates, I just know what year it is. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, added to the Eastern so Conference All Star roster today. Only fourth undrafted player ever to be football named football to the NBA All Star game. It's uh, Raptors, it's Chicago Bulls, and it's Chris Boucher, the alley oop. One more look. Oh, we're not going to get another look. Instead, we're going to see this. Fred Van Vliet with the steal off uh, former Raptor DeMar DeRozan, and it's 114 114 in overtime. Pebble Beach Pro-Am. The AT&T as it's known. uh, 2020 champ Nick Taylor of Abbotsford. Nice approach here on number 11. Spins it back to five feet. Knocked in that birdie. He was actually the leader at one point but shot three under 69. He's tied for 33rd. Adam Svensson of Surrey also at three under. Adam Hadwin is even par. If it's the Pebble Beach event, we have to see what Brill Murray's up to. So let's see Bill Murray.
9: There he is. Saturday Night Live legend, right?
16: Short putt. Can he make it? Well done, Bill. Cinderella boy, tears in his eyes. Former greenskeeper about to become the Masters
1: (laughs) champion. There you go. Greatest movie of all time. All right, thanks very much, Squire. Still to come, Rome's loss was our gain. The West Bend tailor still sewing five decades later. He's a part of the fabric of the community in West Vancouver, an Italian-born tailor, still in business and going strong at the age of 78. For five decades now, he's built up a loyal following. And as Jay Durant tells us in This Is BC, many of those customers have become friends, too. On
10: first glance, it looks like a laundromat exploded. Amongst the racks of suits and mounds of clothes, you'll find Giuseppe Dente, still doing the job he loves after more than 50 years on the North Shore.
4: So far, like, everything worked out right.
10: Business has slowed a bit over the years, but the calls keep coming in.
4: Giuseppe, the Roma Taylor. See
10: how they ride up a little bit there? There's been no advertising, no website. It's his reputation and word of mouth. OK. Thanks. The master's at work. You would wonder how anybody could find anything in here. But Giuseppe has his own filing system.
4: You know, when he bring it in, roughly, I try to remember where I put it, you know. He's a legend.
10: Yeah, you're a legend, Giuseppe. Many customers have become close friends, drop off a suit and stay for a visit, just like they did in Italy.
4: Some people used to go to the tailor, you know, have a little shot talking, you know, and... uh, and that's the way I try, I do here too. i much to have a no tuxedo.
10: <laughs> Dente learned his master tailoring skills near Naples, Milan, and in Rome. He opened his shop in West Vancouver in 1971. It was destroyed in a fire in 2011, but four months later, he was back in business. Giuseppe.
4: How are you? Good.
10: He's I'm had good. many well-known customers over the years.
8: Jimmy Patterson, Pat Quinn, when when he was alive, he used to come in here, and there's there's a lot of others. I think that that actually is also something that adds to his mystique as well.
14: What keeps me coming back is Giuseppe. He's a wonderful person, and he's a he's an artist.
4: Okay. Thank you. After more than half a century, Remember he's still this, crafting clothes. The time like it goes so fast, you know.
10: This old machine may not be buzzing quite as much these days, but as Giuseppe says, as long as he can see, he'll keep sewing.
4: I come here, I enjoy I have a good time to be here, and I never know anything else to do.
1: Jay Durant, Global News. Great work, Giuseppe. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell, something that's unique to B.C., you want us all to see, just email your ideas to Jay at BC at globalnews.ca. Very cool. Okay, let's find out what's going on in the weather one last time from Christy here.
5: So, periods of rain for our region, heavy snow expected across northern central parts of the province, and also snow through southern regions. But it's really just one more day, and then most areas should be enjoying sunshine over the weekend. Chris, back to you.
1: Good to know. Thanks very much, Christy, and thanks to all of you for watching. I'm going to be off tomorrow, but I'll be back on Monday, and
16: uh, we'll see you then. You seem Thank- to never take Wednesdays off. It's always Friday. I know, you somebody. know, and it, it bugs me because I miss satellite <laughs> debris. But I'm I've sure it really bugs every- you. I'll-